Humboldt. Last week. Hey, this is Humboldt Last Week. My name is Miles Cochran. Thank you so much for listening. This is a way to hear top stories from Humboldt's last week while you do things. Nice to be back for a new episode after a little vacation in Colorado. Felt a little out of place not podcasting. Had a place like those cows sunbathing on the beach. Yeah, if you missed it, apparently that happened out on the Lost Coast while I was gone. Fences were likely repaired. Not calling myself a cow yet. This episode is sponsored by Bongo Boy Studio, Humboldt's one-stop solution for recording and disc duplication for over 15 years. They offer musicians professional-level engineering and production, as well as high-quality short runs of CDs and DVDs. All of this at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them at bongoboystudio.com to learn more. And by Shiner Fest at Redwood Acres in Eureka, August 4th and 5th. Build is California's wildest camp and music party with live music, comedy, circus sideshow, food, drinks, camping, and more. Featuring Moonshine Bandits, Struggle Jennings, Crucifix, and many others. Tickets and info at ShinerFest.com. Well, let's get this going. A bulldog was shot and killed by a police officer in the Stafford area next to her owner's car. You hear about that? CHP says they were doing a welfare check on the dog's owner, and they collected evidence that the shooting was due to the dog's aggressive actions. The owner said this was a family dog who was probably wagging her tail while she was barking at the officer. The gunfire... Seven shots also damaged this woman's car. CHP said an investigation will determine who is financially responsible for the car and any other action that needs to be taken. You can read about that at KimKemp.com. Well, medical detox is finally coming to Humboldt. There's a lease in Eureka at what used to be the MAC. It's now going to be called Waterfront Treatment Services. It's a detox and residential treatment facility for people struggling with addiction. According to the journal, the program is expected to open in September, and the city says they expect the facility to result in a measurable reduction of homelessness in Eureka. As you know, we have addiction problems here. Hopefully that helps. Eureka is looking at developing an RV park near the Samoa Bridge. Am I the only person that noticed the overhead plans kind of looked like a gun? Like a pistol? Maybe not the most appropriate symbol for passengers to see as they ride airplanes into Humboldt. The waterfront spot has seen a lot of proposals come and go over the years. We'll see if they pull the trigger on this one. A rep for Eureka told Loco with Eureka Waterfront Trail nearing completion. It's a good time to explore this RV park. Well, what do we know about the new interim chief of the Eureka Police Department? That's Steve Watson. Just cruising through this journal article, it says he's been outspoken against cannabis legalization. He's a Fortuna native. He was in the Army, majored in church leadership. He's worked as a substitute teacher, spent a little bit of time as an officer in Santa Cruz. He believes a lot of the homeless in Eureka moved to Humboldt with the assumption that they'd be successful in the marijuana industry. And he appears to want to be the next official police chief of Eureka. City has started a recruitment process that'll invite candidates for the job from out of the area as well. They're moving the lighthouse in Trinidad a few tens of feet because of geological instability along the coast there, landslide activity and stuff. According to the union, it looks like they want this move to happen by October, and they're hoping to get it done before the next rainy season. 
Cops were looking for a guy in Ferndale that shot at a fish and wildlife guy last year. I saw Kim Kemp reported nine people were detained and released at this place near Market Street in Ferndale. Same spot officers looked for this guy last winter. And once again, what's it been like three times they did not find this guy? Having shot at a fish and wildlife guy, you could call him the ditch and wildlife bandit. Thinking outside of the box may result in people painting the outside of the box. The city of Eureka has a new program called Eureka Box Art. They're paying 500 bucks a pop for artists to beautify some utility boxes throughout the city. Other cities have done this. You just have to propose a design and show some examples of your work. And if it's good, they'll approve it. If you're into that, let me know. I can get you the details. All you have to do is apply by August 18th. Well, some irresponsible individual left a dog behind out near Witchpeck. Someone told Kim Kemp this pup had been there for over a week. Faith and humanity restored, though, even though this dog is reportedly kind of aggressive. Locals have been feeding him and giving him water. Some guy was hoping someone would pick him up before they have to call animal control. A tourist was carjacked at gunpoint along Avenue of the Giants in the Redcrest area. This woman said she was taking a nap in her car and was woken up by some white dude. He apparently asked if she was okay, hit her up for four bucks, took off, returned asking if she wanted to buy weed. I guess she unlocked her car and that's when she said a second Hispanic guy came out with a gun and they took her car. If you know anything about that, sell the sheriff's office. What about these possible changes to the ballpark in Arcata, where the Humboldt Crabs play? Arcata and the Crabs are looking at a renovated seating area with new bleachers and some seats with backrests. And the entrance to the bleachers would be behind, not in front. So no more getting in the way of people sitting in the first row. They have all kinds of upgrades planned, but it's all dependent on their fundraising. Some dentist was doing his thing without a license in Fortuna. Little floss and brush with the law. Michael Eshkipur, is that right? Operated in Eel River Valley Dental from 2014 to 2016. According to the DA, he did not enter a plea. And the next court date is at the beginning of October. More on this story then. For now, you could call that a uh, cava tease. A guy from Humboldt, apparently unprovoked, was shot by someone at Ruth Lake. It said the perp likely shot this guy from his truck and the bullet hit the victim's back, going through his intestines. He was medevaced to a hospital and is in stable condition. Accident or not, Kim Kemp covered this and someone that was there told her she'd never go to Ruth again because of the incident. A man from Arcata pleaded guilty to possession of child porn. Disgusting. 38-year-old Matthew Aaron Steele got a plea deal. He'll have to undergo sex offender treatment and register for life as a sex offender. So this guy has, what, 500 porn images of kids, including toddlers, and he gets to walk free among us with no time served? Huh. Yeah, all I can say is he better not reoffend. Starting off with the disclaimer, what's about to be discussed here is graphic. It's that kind of content that you know, potentially could disturb you. So if it does, if this type of content does disturb you, this would be a good place to stop. Right now, we're getting an update on the pretrial hearings for suspected child molester Chad Smith, a former restaurant owner here in Humboldt and a former substitute teacher. Uh, It should be noted this guy no longer owns Surfside Burger Shack in Eureka. He is not affiliated with the new owners who recently bought the place and changed the menu. 
Um, so yeah, the 42-year-old man, he was in court last week as he faces a possible life sentence in prison for allegedly raping a girl numerous times uh, from age 10 to 14 at her house, at his old office, in motel rooms in Eureka and Crescent City. Chad Smith was apparently around this girl a lot, and another girl also testified he molested her during a sleepover when she was 11. She said she blocked out another experience. Uh, Time Standard reporter Sam Armanino, he's been covering the preliminary hearings. Thanks for discussing this, Sam. Yeah, no problem. So it looks like this is going to trial. Um, what did you learn during the hearings at the courthouse in Eureka this week? If the testimony is true, it would pin uh, Chad Smith molesting the same girl for four years, from her age of 10 on to uh, her age of 14. And so I guess, yeah, the scope of it all kind of came to me during the first uh, preliminary hearing, because the first Jane Doe to testify, she had basically accused him of sexually abusing her, sexually manipulating and uh, assaulting her multiple times at different locations throughout four years. Now, I read some of this uh, in your coverage. It looks like uh, he was reading her a Harry Potter book when she was 10 years old, and she remembered that was the first time he allegedly molested her. Basically, the book reading, that was allegedly the first time, and she remembered that pretty vividly, uh, she said, because she had been really excited to read that book. I guess details came to light about manipulation, uh, or allegedly manipulating her. She thought that she was in love with him, and then, I guess, allegedly conspiring against her own mother to let her go live with this guy. Those details jumped out in the preliminary hearing that were pretty graphic. She couldn't remember each and every incident she said because uh, there were so many. Mm-hmm. I mean, she called him master, and he called her kitten, allegedly. Now, there was additional testimony, what, from um, another girl? What did she say? Basically, she was uh, described as a really good friend of Jane Doe 1, and uh, they were at a sleepover when Chad Smith allegedly laid down in between them uh, after they set up a bed in a living room or a, a kid's room. It was described to have a lot of toys on the ground. And then Smith allegedly proceeded to turn and, and spoon with her and, and uh, stroke her. And uh, details came out that uh, we didn't feel very necessary to put in the story in the time standard. He went on allegedly stroking her until he got up and swore really loudly and walked to uh, another room. It was also reported that, you know, uh, Jane Doe 1's mom uh, eventually walked in on this guy with his arms wrapped around her daughter's waist. Would you say that was sort of the defining moment when um, she decided to pursue charges against Chad Smith and to, uh, you know, pursue a restraining order? Was that the defining moment for that? I, I don't think that was the one incident that triggered. I think the one of the main incidents that triggered the investigation and um, EPD detective Amber Cassetti uh, testified today that uh, what triggered her investigation was uh, the note the mother had found in Jane Doe 1's bedroom, which left detailed descriptions about the uh, first incident when she was excited to read the Harry Potter book. And then I also see here there was, like, allegedly a secret phone 
um, following these restraining order violations. Is that true? You know, I really, I don't know if that's true or not. It was, it was in testimony multiple times, and it was in uh, multiple witnesses' testimony. So if the testimony is true, then it is true. Um, the detective today said uh, they searched through the phone, but not only the phone, uh, allegedly he had been keeping in contact with her through Skype, Facebook, uh, emails, a number of ways he had been keeping in contact with her that uh, would have broke the restraining order agreement. When the mother testified, uh, she said she found over 1,200 emails back and forth, some describing sexual assault encounters and some describing sort of love emotions from the both of them. And how did Chad Smith seem to react to some of the testimony that was presented? You know, I sat kind of right behind him, a little bit to the left, and I didn't see a lot of emotion. Um, every now and then he would write something on his notebook or whisper to his uh, representing attorney, uh, public defender Jennifer Dixon. But I didn't see a whole lot of emotion, and as far as when the Jane Does were testifying, um, he appeared to just stare uh, head on to the girls without any emotion whatsoever. Now, I saw you reported the suspect he was wearing an orange jumpsuit for the preliminary hearings. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, orange jumpsuit. Um, so he hasn't made bail. His bail was set to over $2.5 million, and uh, he appeared to not make that bail as he was in jumpsuits both days. He was handcuffed before and uh, directly after uh, both hearings. And he's been in custody, what, since the beginning of June? Yeah, he was arrested. Uh, we got the press release. He was arrested on June 2nd um, and has remained in custody. So I've seen some reports out there in local media saying uh, that the suspect, Chad Smith, he was taking anger management classes following domestic battery charges, um, you know, that he was possibly going through a divorce. Uh, some media had, had commented on that. Um, was that brought up at all during these hearings? Um, it was actually not brought up that I remember at all. Um, I know there was a lot of anger issues that were brought up, but the fact uh, that he may have been in anger management was not uh, brought up. But, you know, that something like that wouldn't surprise me to come up later on when it goes to jury trial. So um, what would you say was just the most noteworthy or sort of surprising moment during these hearings? Oh, man. Um the uh, sexual assaults, again, if the testimony is true, seem to escalate through the years with, uh, you know, the charges kind of relate how they escalated with oral copulation and um, penetration. And so, yeah, it, it was pretty graphic in court and uh, pretty detailed. Did uh, Chad Smith appear to have people showing up to court to support him? I know his brother, Rick Smith, uh, was there and has been there, was there for the last uh, last two days. But I do not think any other family members were there except for Rick Smith, who's his brother. Was there a strong turnout regarding support for the alleged victims? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, I feel like at preliminary hearings, they kind of uh, separate on sides of the courthouse, and, and the left side was pretty packed. There is a uh, motorcycle organization called... Uh, Bikers Against Child Abuse and the Humboldt Chapter appeared to show up, and they kind of walked the uh, first witness in, um, as well as multiple family members. 
uh, were there. The DA had a, uh, they had a child support professional that sat with Jane Doe one during her testimony. So I would say there was a lot of support there for the uh, two girls that testified. You know, if everything that's said is true, you know, it shows a lot of courage for them to come forward and do that. I would be remiss if I didn't say if anybody listening to this uh, has been a victim or they know anybody that's a victim that's been afraid to come forward, that they should. And there's a number of resources online of uh, ways to go about that. Um, Looks like the next court hearing is on August 10th, Sam. Is there anything else you'd like to mention? Uh, No, I mean, if you're interested in reading up on some more details, uh, make sure to pick up a time standard or log on to the website. But yeah, there's going to be an arraignment uh, for information on August 10th and uh, a jury trial following. All right, Sam, thank you so much for your coverage. All right, thank you. Well, once again, I want to thank the sponsors of this episode, Bongo Boy Studio. Find them at bongoboystudio.com and Shiner Fest at Redwood Acres, August 4th and 5th. Tickets and details at shinerfest.com. Hey, please do like Humboldt last week on Facebook, and I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Bye. Humboldt last week.